It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win. JT the Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in. Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday, JT, Raider Nation Radio. Big show tomorrow on Friday. Mike Ciani will join us. Former Raider wide receiver as we look back at the history of the Raiders draft. So in the 70s, Monty Johnson will have a portion of that interview tomorrow if you missed it on Monday. Obviously, Raymond Chester was on Wednesday and Mike Ciani tomorrow. And then we go from the 70s into the 80s next week. And then the 90s, the early 2000s. So we're going to really put our heads down here and get you ready for the NFL draft as there's a lot of events popping up. A lot of people are tweeting about it, draft parties, everything from the black hole to what the Raiders are going to be doing. Everybody is going to be involved You'll know all about it. I'm getting on the road in Vegas to do some remotes. We got remotes coming up at Resorts World. We have a big remote coming up with a new partner that we've added to the show. We'll tell you about that in a couple of weeks. This hour is brought to you by Resorts World, where they have Doghouse. That's their sports bar right off the free parking where you come in and they have their sports book there. Then you can go see all the shows, which are right next to it. And have a great time. Resorts World, the premier property in all of Las Vegas. Scott Sabella's vision of how to do sports is right there on display. Come to Doghouse and check us out there over the next couple of months. So there's a lot happening today. We're looking for Raider fans, and they've been quiet today on Bruce Arian stepping down with the Bucks. It's not a big Raider topic. I don't have a Raider head coach stepping down today. Sorry, everybody. We got a new coach. We don't have a topic like that. Bruce Arian stepping down is a balance of power change in the NFL. Typically in the history of this league, a coach who is supposed to win the Super Bowl because they have the best player in Brady, just won a Super Bowl two seasons ago, doesn't step down. And he's not saying he's ill. He's not saying he's burnt out. He just said the time is right. Uh, I think we have to connect the dots to this story and see if there's a little bit more. I think there is more, according to my source, in Tampa Bay on what's happening down there. And I think there's a lot going on with the vibe in Tampa Bay now. One or two things happen. There's one or two sides you can take on this debate. The one side is you believe all this. You believe that Bruce miraculously decided a couple of weeks ago that he was done. He went to the Breakers Hotel, lied to everybody. Lied to everybody was there. Ian Rappaport, whoever was there, didn't say he was quitting, retiring. Then he comes back, and all of a sudden he's gone. Todd Bowles gets the job. After Brady retires and comes back, Brady meets with the owners internationally twice, including London. And you believe this is all true. It's like a Snow White Disney make-believe movie, and you're going to buy into it. Or there's something missing. And it could be a power struggle with Brady and Bruce Arians. I think that there's been a power struggle. I believe that it will come out in weeks or months to come that Tom Brady was retired unless there was a change. He met with the owners multiple times, and the owners and Tom Brady put a plan in place to get Bruce Arians to go upstairs. That's my theory. I have one good source on it that agrees with that. 
So we'll see what happens either way. No matter what, no matter what, doesn't change anything. Todd Bowles, the coach, Tom Brady's coming back. But if they're lying to you, which they tend to do in sports a lot, you know, guys, GMs, not ours, but GMs tend to say that, no, we're not interested in this guy. Then, boom, two days later, he signed. It's called the smoke screen. I just have a funny feeling where there's smoke, there's fire in Tampa. And Tom Brady seems to me to be very aggressive in this love fest. So part of my theory is that Tom Brady is feeling weird about this and knows that someone could leak the story that he wanted Bruce out the way he was running the team all the time and Brady started to hatch this plan so Brady went to Instagram and put heart emojis with Bruce and he sat in the front row today he literally sat in the front row today and was smiling and laughing through the whole thing a couple of sound bites from Bruce Arians from earlier today courtesy of NFL Network on what he's going to miss from going from being a head coach to upstairs in the building being a consultant here was the former head coach of the Bucks. players you know, every day, um, cussing them out and hug them later, you know, that's just been who I have been forever. And uh, uh, that's what I'm, I'm excited about because I'm not walking away from that. I get to keep that part. And uh, I can walk through the locker room right now and it won't be the police, you know. Uh, the guys are back there laughing, but I walk through anyway. So it, uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it. He says he's looking forward to this. Most guys would be looking forward to winning their second Super Bowl and going to the Hall of Fame. And that's where I think the big trap is here that we're all falling into. We're not seeing what's right in front of us is that Bruce Arians is leaving the head coaching position when he's you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 games left in his life to go to the Hall of Fame. If him and Brady win the Super Bowl, Bruce Arians goes right to the Hall of Fame. I don't think most guys would walk away from that. So I smell something off here. Would love to get your opinion on that. Uh, we'll get to F1 in my conversation of how F1 is going to take control of Las Vegas and how this is going to be a steady buildup in a big way coming here over the next year. If you got anything to add on F1, you know more than me. I just did my first ever F1 interview, and I think it's going to be a big deal. 702-365-9200. Jay in Vegas. Thanks for waiting over the top. How are you, Jay? Doing good, JT. How you doing, man? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, uh, man, as it pertains to Tom Brady, man, I could not agree with you more, uh, JT. Um, I, I think that it was most definitely a power play by, uh, by Tom Brady, um, you know, to get, this, to get this done. And, you know, you mentioned players like, uh, you know, LeBron and Aaron Rodgers. You know, first off, like with, with, you know, with Tom Brady, I mean, he, he's got the clout and the hardware that if he wants to make this type of a power play, I think, you know, it, it's, it's got to go down because, I mean, he, he's the type of player that galvanizes the locker room. He brings players together. And you look at a player like, like uh, Aaron Rodgers where they're both phenomenal talents, all-time talents, Hall of Fame talents. Uh, they're two totally different players in the locker room. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady, he, he, like I said, he galvanizes the locker room. He gets people to play, play together. He gets the best out of his players. He's he's like a, a he cares about his legacy, but he wants to do it in the parameters of a team. Where Aaron Rodgers, he's a me first kind of guy, phenomenal talent, but he's a me first kind of guy. And it, it couldn't be any more evident by the move that Devontae Adams made. I mean, if if say Tom Brady was in Green Bay, do you think Devontae Adams comes comes to Vegas? I think 
you know, with, with uh, how aloof Aaron Rodgers can be, you know, I think it made, made it an easy decision for Devontae Adams to come over here and, and play with his college teammate and, and, and start anew, you know. And you, you mentioned players like LeBron James, I think, where those two players, obviously, again, Hall of Fame talents, where, where they kind of differ, where, you know, LeBron James brought his friends over to, to, to play, and his friends are over the hill. I mean, he plays the style of basketball where, you know, he wants to get every, everybody involved, but he wanted to get his friends over here, and they, they're, just, they're just not what they once were. And whereas Tom Brady, he's not about to do that. He is bringing in players that can still produce for him, like Gronk. Gronk can still produce. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, when he, when he decided to come back, you saw the players immediately re-sign. And that, that's a testament to Tom Brady. And, you know, I just think, you know, he's, he's earned that. And mm-hmm. the way he's going about it, man, I, I, I can't, you know, I have no, I don't blame yeah. him at all. Okay. So, thanks, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. What I find fascinating about this is what could be happening that we're not being told. That's really the whole topic of today. What we're being told, Will Smith and the slap of Chris Rock. What were we told? What did we believe? What do we think happens? What should be the penalty phase? All of that. I can tie that directly into what's happening in sports here. I'm looking at this story and I'm seeing something that doesn't add up right. Bruce Arians abruptly, abruptly retiring as a head coach. That makes no sense to me unless he was ill. And thank God he's not. And he's been ill in the past. Prostate cancer survivor. Just had an Achilles injury. But from what I'm hearing in my sources in Tampa Bay is that Brady enjoyed the Byron Leftwich game plan more than Bruce Arians. He didn't believe in the Bruce Arians game plan to the degree that he believed in Byron Leftwich. There is a chance that Brady forced Bruce Arians upstairs. And if he did, then they were lying to us today. That's the topic. I'm just telling you to be aware of this. And it might turn out to be nothing. And then remind me, say, hey, you got it wrong. But if you're sitting around two, three months from now, and someone leaks out, Rick Scroud of the Tampa Bay Times, someone else says that they know for a fact, and there's a couple of sources, and Adam Schefter's on SportsCenter, and someone leaked it from Bruce Arians' camp, that Bruce didn't want to leave, that he was forced out, then you'll remember the show. I want you to remember every show, but you don't. Ten minutes after it's over, Q comes on, you listen to the next show. But I get a lot of this stuff right. I've been doing this long enough. It doesn't add up. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Coaches walk away when they're completely toasted and burnt out at the end. They don't walk away from Tom Brady with a team in Vegas that's a top three team to win the Super Bowl. If Andy Reid did this in Kansas City, an alarm would go off. If Sean McVay did this in, with the Rams, alarm would go off. This is a legacy play for Bruce Arians. Maybe he doesn't care. He just wants to have a cocktail. I think there's more to the story. And in the past, we've proven that Tom Brady doesn't tell us the truth a lot. He didn't on Deflategate. He didn't on Spygate. He didn't on any of that. And we ended up finding out about it. And then everybody wasn't really shocked. I think Brady's a good man. This all comes down to Brady wanting to win more and wanting to be buttoned up and maybe having a stricter culture there so he can win one more chip on the way out. That's how a lot of people see it. But today, it really looked like a reality show. Everybody got together for this quick press conference. The new coach was happy. The old coach was happy. Tom Brady 
has got stars in his eyes in the front row. Everybody's asking questions about cocktails and parties and all that. It just didn't, doesn't fit. I, I, I see something. I don't want to say I smell a rat because I don't think they're doing anything that's illegal or bad or breaking a rule because there's a lot of that going on today. The other breaking story that I didn't get a chance to get to before our F1 guest is that the congressional investigation of Daniel Snyder could be heating up. Now, that's a much bigger story than Bruce Arians or what's going to happen now. But you know, I, I find this other one more, a little bit more juicy on Bruce Arians because the congressional story will be here. According to the Washington Post, the committee is now looking into allegations of financial improprieties under Daniel Snyder ownership. Huge story. A committee spokesman did not confirm the new twist, but the committee continues to investigate the hostile workplace and culture environment with the Washington commanders. The committee will follow the facts wherever they may lead. And the commanders, that would be Daniel Snyder and his wife, are saying nothing here, nothing here, nothing here. And they're basically either lying and they are about to get put out of business. If this congressional committee finds out about these leaked emails of Bruce Allen that took out John Gruden and they find out more about the cheerleader scandal, and more about Daniel Snyder and financial claims, he's going to be out. And that'll be a big story on top of the Brian Flores lawsuit and what's going on there, Deshaun Watson and his reinstatement. And now you got Bruce Arians throwing a cocktail party today down in Tampa like everything's great. Everything I don't believe is great, for sure. Chris Medlin covers F1 at the highest level internationally he joined me last night. I was sworn to secrecy on Sirius XM. It was breaking news that F1 was coming to Vegas. It leaked out here a little bit, but it was a global story. And I talked to him right after the announcement on how big of a story it was around the globe. Oh, hey, JT. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a real big one because uh, Formula One has, has targeted U.S. races for a while now. They've said they want to do them. They've got Miami coming onto the calendar this year. It's only about five weeks until we go racing Miami for the very first time. But the momentum behind the sport in this country is massive. And Formula One wanted to capitalize on that. and said, we want to go racing in the best destination cities with the best backdrops. And that's not always possible. You know, it's hard to close down cities to go racing. But Vegas wanted to get on board too. And they've announced not only, as you say, people were anticipating the race, but they've announced what is an incredible circuit and a venue using so much of the strip going to be racing next to the iconic resorts, the Bellagio Fountains past Planet Hollywood, it's just it's an incredible setting that they've given themselves to put an F1 race on. Uh, and, and a very cool layout as well. It should be good for racing. So it should be a great sporting event. And um, yeah, they, they pretty much took over the strip for an hour this evening. They, they took over all the, all the screens and had the F1 advertising all over it. So anyone who was in Vegas tonight uh, was going to be, you know, it was tough for them to miss it. Chris, why is there so much momentum right now? The sport's been around. There's a great history of iconic drivers. And from documentaries, and I've been doing sports talk for 25 years, and my friends are watching races more and more on the weekend. Everybody's talking about it. Why is it now? What's popped in the last couple of months or years that's now working so well right here in America? So I think if we go back far enough, it'll be when Liberty Media took over the sport, basically. You had, a, you had an American company come in and say, we want to own Formula One and we, we have this vision for it. And a big part of that vision was to expand in the U.S. They thought 
this sport is amazing and it's a big global sport, but it's just not quite working here in America. And we need to work out why and how to get it into the public conscience here, because if they, if they get it, they're going to be fans. And that's exactly what happened by using Netflix, essentially. Uh, the Drive to Survive series, it's just released season four. And, and that was big. Uh, that, that just kind of made sure that kind of your average TV watcher, not even your average sports fan, just sort of discovered the sport and found out the stories behind it and the interest in it. And it turned it from what people thought were just rich guys going around in circles to like these proper human stories about people chasing their dreams or the battles for 10th place and how important they could be. All, all of these things that were maybe tough to understand before got simplified and explained to a mass audience and it got people hooked. And then that coincided with just a great time for the sport. We had Max Verstappen as an up-and-coming uh, superstar, essentially. Lewis Hamilton breaking records as well, the best there's ever been. Then the two of them last year going head-to-head for the world title, right down to the final race, level on points going into that. Yeah, controversial ending. But it just had so many storylines at the right time when their interest was growing. Uh, and I think it just got America hooked. And off the back of that, um, partners, promoters, they all wanted a, a, a slice of the action too. So we've seen way more sponsors in the sport and now more races to, to boot as well. Chris Medlin is our guest, Formula One journalist and insider on the breaking news. Vegas getting an F1 race in November of 2023. So, Chris, for the stick and ball fans who are able to pick up on NASCAR and they're able to pick up on European soccer, the premiership, for the fans that we have listening that haven't watched F1, they don't understand the technical side of it, and they want to get into it quickly. You mentioned the Netflix documentary. Everybody's got to dive into it. But how do we get up to speed? If we want to get ready for Miami, what's the way to learn about the rivalries in the sport? Research it and get into it so we're not confused and it doesn't take six months or a year to get into it the way we all like to in the States. Yeah, dare I say it, uh, you know, the Netflix documentary was perfect for that, starting with the first season, which I'm, I'm blowing my own trumpet a bit, but I, I was part of that mm-hmm. show, um, was right. to simplify it and to kind of explain it, was to kind of say, right, this is, this is what F1 is. This is who the teams are. This is how a race weekend works. It's a really good crash course into the sport. Um, and then secondly, like online, there's so much great stuff. So many websites dedicated to it. Uh, and the official Formula One website really has like a, um, an explainer, like a, a what's what of the sport, what certain terms mean, why a race happens, when it happens, how it happens. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's 10 teams that all build their own cars to a set of rules. So every team has a different car, but they're restricted by a set of rules. And they try and build the fastest thing they can. And then they try and put the best two drivers in there and let them have at it for two hours on a Sunday afternoon. And when you see the speeds that they can create and how closely matched they are after hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent to build these cars, uh, it's incredible. And, and there's just the product of so much time and effort uh, that goes into it. And I think people are really starting to see that now. Uh, and you've just, you genuinely have got some of the best drivers in the world uh, racing inches apart over 200 miles an hour. Uh, it's a fascinating spectacle if you, if you give it the time. Chris Medlin, as we wrap it up, follow him at Chris Medlin F1. Hey, Chris, finally, when it comes to the sponsors and the enormous money, and I see champagne and I see Rolexes and I see Ferraris and luxury cars, how is this sport not priced out the common fan who also loves this sport? It seems like it's caviar, champagne, the haves, the have-nots, and if, if to buy tickets, to travel, to Monaco or all around the world to watch this sport. How does it balance out where you can interact with fans who don't have the money and they can watch it on TV and the fans that when you show up at these events, they have yachts 
in the seas, Rolls Royces. They can stay in a city like Vegas or Miami or Monaco for a week because they have the money to do that. Explain that to me. Well, to be fair to you, like you say, like one of the things that's unique about F1 is its global nature. That it happens every year in, in over 20 countries around the world. But that does make it unrealistic for any fan really to go to every race. Uh, what most people are doing, as you say, they're consuming it on TV or they're going to one or two a year. And the thing is, that image they like to give off, that, that's at certain races and that's, that's the top one or two percent. That's how Formula One likes to portray itself because of the business side mm-hmm. of the sport. But, but for real fans, hardcore fans, it's just like any other racing series. It, it, a ticket tends to cost a little bit more, like your base entry ticket. But you get thousands and thousands of fans coming along. They're just desperate to see race cars going quickly on a track. And, and they will go anywhere. And a lot of the races are in Europe where they're a lot more accessible. The, the racetracks are classic older ones that have been used for years where people want to kind of go and they camp out and they have parties and they all just walk into the circuit stand on the grassy bank and watch these cars. It's still got that old school charm as well. So it's kind of got a bit of everything. And that's, I think that's one of the things that makes it so uh, appealing to multiple different types of fan uh, or different types of interested party. Because it, it can, yeah, it can cater for your multi-millionaires, but it can cater to the man on the street as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible sport. And hopefully we can kind of really help it grow in, in America because it, it's definitely got that potential. And another way to learn about it, you did ask, and I stupidly forgot to even mention, uh, we've got a new show actually on SiriusXM called Wheel to Wheel uh, every Wednesday night at, at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Extra on Channel 81. Uh, we've just done the second show tonight uh, of this new series that I'm a co-host on with John Massengale. So that's another way that people can kind of get up to speed with what's happened in the previous race and hear from the drivers and the stars uh, and what's coming up with the next races too because it's a relentless schedule. And we, we raced in Saudi Arabia last weekend. We announced a race in Vegas tonight, and we'll be racing in Melbourne in about 10 days' time. Chris, last one, quick one, the track. I live in Vegas. I know the strip well. I can't imagine what this is going to look like on TV in November of 2023 with the casino backdrops, the strip, how wide the track is, how it's going to look. You were on the track earlier, and you talked about the new constructed and how it's specifically constructed for the race coming up next year. Give us one or two nuggets about how amazing it's going to look and feel in Vegas when it comes here. Oh, man, it's going to be incredible. I'm, I'm actually still on the track right now. I'm stood right next to the strip um, opposite Planet Hollywood, and this is where the circuit's going to run uh, and then turn left onto East Harmon Avenue. So uh, it runs for the best part of a mile, I think, up the strip. It's going to be at night. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be lit, so it matches kind of the vision of Vegas that they want to give off with the neon lights everywhere. It's going to really fit in. Um, it, you know, cars are going to be going at over 200 mile an hour down the strip and then and, um, and turning left here onto East Harmon Avenue where it's going to be like a proper overtaking spot. Um, so fans are going to be going to resorts around here and, and doing the normal Vegas things and then stepping out and seeing race cars flying by. It's going to be incredible. Uh, there's going to be some purpose-built bits, uh, certainly around the MSG sphere that's still being constructed. When that's complete, there's going to be a bespoke part of racetrack around there so that you've got some good corners that suit these cars and it's not just trying to get the cars to fit existing roads that actually to build some parts as well that will be a bit more permanent. Uh, there'll be a pit and paddock complex as well that will be built just a couple of blocks off the strip. So, uh, you know, you're kind of utilizing the main parts for some exciting racing, but then you're designing some specific parts too to make sure that uh, the sport really works. So, I mean, the timing is the big thing. Saturday night race, it'll be the first time there's been an F1 race on a Saturday in nearly 40 years. It was 1985 was the last time they did that. Wow. And that's how much the sports owners want to make it work here in the U.S. They said, prime time Saturday evening is when we need to be 
on TV for fans to watch and to get excited. And, and they've gone for it. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. I'll remember this conversation. I hope to talk to you a bunch before the race in 2023. Continued success and good luck with the new show. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. Yeah, looking forward to speaking to, uh, speaking to you some more too and to any new fans who want to get involved. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Chris Medlin, who is fantastic, as this was the biggest story around the world. F1, a global topic like soccer, European soccer, international soccer. Formula One on the cover today of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Formula One, kings of the track. Vegas eager to jump in on the lucrative Formula One bandwagon. That's a nighttime race. So Chris was talking about the way that the course is going to be set up. That mile stretch along the strip, going past the Bellagio and the fountains and all that, then they're going to make that hard left on Harmon. They're going to have to break. And then they go around the back end of the strip, and they go around the sphere, which is the Globe Concert Theater owned by MSG that's going to open. So it's going to be at night. So the sphere is going to light up like a globe, and you're going to see these F1 cars go by, and then the straightaway down the strip, which is just going to be incredible. So you got a year to get ready for this, longer than a year. I think everybody should watch that Netflix documentary, which I'm going to watch. And everybody's saying they're going to do the same company that did the Formula One Netflix documentary. I believe it's in its fourth season are now doing something with the PGA Tour because of the success of Formula One on Netflix. The ratings are up on television. And I got a lot of my buddies who are texting me on the weekend asking me if I'm watching F1 because it looks great on television. And it's a big deal here. If you're an F1 fan, what do you think of that conversation? What's your opinion on this? Now, we don't take many calls on this often, but I think today's the day to do it, the last half hour, because it's a global event. And that'll go right into the Super Bowl. And we'll have this in November 2023, and then we'll get to February 2024, and we'll have the Super Bowl. And then we're going to have the, coming up here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the draft on the Strip, where the Strip is going to be closed off uh, right around outside Caesars to the Bellagio Fountains. And hopefully we're going to get seven, 800,000 people out there for that. So who's ever thought of it, whoever put this deal together, there's a lot of people that deserve a pat on the back. F1 is coming to Vegas, and we're excited about that. We're brought to you by Modelo Friday, tomorrow. I've been good this week. Going to put the bucket of Modelo on ice Friday during the show and have it backyard brick afterwards. Modelo with that fighting spirit as they take charge of the strip for the draft. Johnny Katz, our entertainment reporter, coming up on the Grammys, F1, everything that's happening in town. You never want to miss that. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh, Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Put my name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your that was an incredible moment in social media history, the history of the Academy Awards, in comedy, 
movies, best actor. After that, we will never forget what happened on Sunday night, the Academy Awards. Everybody's still talking about it, including Johnny Katz, kind enough to join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the great entertainment reporter. In all of your years of being a fan of the Academy Awards movies, being an entertainer, uh, entertainment reporter, I'm sure there's nothing that compares to this. What was your initial reaction? Uh, just that, uh, JT. It was a, it was a, a unreal. It's still sort of hard to get a, a grip and put this all into context. You know, as far as a televised event, I can just, you know, say that uh, the La La Land Award that was apparently given out a, a few years ago might be up there. And I was talking to my friend Antonio Fargus, the great actor who was Huggy Bear and Starsky and Hutch, who's worked with both these guys. Just mentioned the streaker. Uh, that came on stage with uh, mm-hmm. David Niven back in 1974 when he was introducing Elizabeth Taylor was was that type of thing where something happened it was completely unexpected but this was even beyond that you know you had two uh, you know superstar entertainers uh, involved and one was up for and ended up winning best actor uh, basically to turning to violence because he didn't like a joke um, I have I'll tell you if we just saw that in a comedy club here in Las Vegas it would have been pretty remarkable or any you know staged event the fact that it happened during the Oscars is just perplexing and shocking and everybody I talked to around the community all my uh, uh, comedian um, contacts and friends feel the same way it's just shocking is the word and uh, we're not going to feel uh, you know the full effect of this I, I don't think for quite some time Johnny Katz joins us. What I find interesting this week is Chris Rock last night performed in Boston, got a three-minute standing ovation to start, and we're seeing comedians line up with one another and going up against Will Smith, obviously, Jim Carrey leading the way, Wanda Sykes, who was also one of the co-hosts of the event. You know a lot of comedians. You go to a lot of comedy stores. Can you imagine this? It's a copycat world if some fan came up from the fourth row and slap the comedian in the face, what would happen? They'd be taken out in handcuffs. What have you been hearing from other comedians around your world about the behavior of Will Smith? Well, it was, yeah, you're worried about that kind of thing because it is a world where people, you know, you know, especially in Las Vegas, get a few in them and get that, uh, you know, the liquid courage going and think they can interrupt a show. I, I, I found in Las Vegas that, that, that even it's, it's ripe for uh, just heckling. You know, in that atmosphere, right. just just uh, uh, I talked to Brad Garrett, you know, he owns the Brad Garrett's uh, comedy club at MGM. And he's kind of like, you know, one of the leaders in, in you know, for lack of a better term, insult comedy. He, he takes his audience apart. He's like Rickles used to be. And he's great. He's a great deal of fun. And I asked him about it, you know, because he's he's, uh, you know, he he, he goes after everybody. Brad does. And uh, he said that Brock was completely out of line, you know, completely off, um, you know, off the pale. And, uh, you know, um, George Wallace, another one who's done a lot of work in Las Vegas and has known both of these individuals for a long time. Chris Rock was on his stage when he was over at the Flamingo, George, mm-hmm. and said the same thing. You know, he, he said he ruined the show. He ruined the night. He ruined the night for everybody. And, uh, um, you know, what, what we have to watch now for is that the, hopefully that, this, that the attitude will be that that was a singular event and isn't going to be, create a trend of people, you know, going up on stage in clubs or at the Mirage or Encore mm-hmm. Theater where we have star comics or anywhere, you know. I'm, I'm watching that. I'm going to go to Brad's club soon. I'll, I'll see shows over at the Encore Theater as well and see how the crowd behaves. You know, but this, is, this doesn't help civility, let's put it that way. John Katzalamidis joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. You and I were texting when it happened. I was devastated by the loss of Taylor Hawkins. The Foo Fighters, for me, you know you wrote a great cover story, my wife and I meeting at the Rolling Stones. I thought Foo Fighters were going to be a bridge for me 
after the Stones eventually stop. I mean, they're in their 80s. That's going to happen. And then the Foos would be that rock band, especially in Vegas at Mark Davis's mm-hmm. Allegiant Stadium, that they would put on these super con- uh, concerts and festivals. What are you hearing about them going forward on Sunday at the Grammys? Because Dave Grohl shut down the world tour. What are the rumors about the Grammys here in Vegas? Well, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on everything you said about the about uh, Foo Fighters. First of all, I saw him back in December at, at uh, Dolby Live, and, and when Grohl um, mentioned that uh, you know he kind of did a live poll of the crowd to see what they thought of a residency, and the place went, the place went ape, went crazy about the idea of a residency in Las Vegas. And Hawkins came out and was out in front of the band that night. Uh, you know, he's basically a co-front man of the it was of, of Foo Fighters. Um, I, as far as the Grammys, I have asked point blank the Grammys officials if, that, if they're going to make a decision one way or the other on Foo Fighters, and they have not answered that. They've announced all their other formal performers uh, so far, but have not said anything about Foo Fighters. So um, I've heard some words, you know, from industry uh, experts, let's put it that way, people who know the Grammys very well, that they will do something Sunday and pay tribute to Taylor from the stage and with with role playing drums, you know, he was originally a drummer for Nirvana, of course, and play some of his, his parts and do a, a medley that way. And then, and then, you know, reset the band and come back with a, with a new lineup when, when this all, uh, you know, plays out. Um, I still would love to see them, you know, reform and, and, you know, continue to rock it. You know, there's a lot of tread on that tire and there's a lot of opportunity yeah. here in town for them to do a, to do a series at Dolby live or wherever, you know, uh, just a terrible thing, though. Very ter- a terrible yeah. shock, and uh, you know you just can't believe <laughs> you just yeah, saw in December. He was so so fit and so so alive, you know. Absolutely, oh. and look, the Stones replaced Charlie Watts, and that's the mm-hmm. Stones. And Taylor Hawkins, they'll go on without him, but it's going to take a while for this to kick in. What's going on at Planet Hollywood today? I know you're over there with Chris Angel. What's going on? Yeah, I'm over here with Chris Angel and Franco Dragone. Uh, they're launching their Amistica show uh, this weekend. I'm going to be seeing that on Saturday night. This is a show that's set up as a prequel to Mind Freak Live, but staged after uh, Mind Freak Live in the Planet Hollywood uh, in Chris Angel's theater here. And it, it, the, what's interesting about this show is it's, uh, Chris is expanding his, his hold on the room here, the venue. He's doing two shows now. These are separate ticketed shows in the same theater, which is very rare in Las Vegas. And Franco Dragone, of course, he, he's the one who, uh, who designed um, Mystere, the Treasure uh-huh. Island, O at Bellagio, uh, Celine Dion's first uh, series, A New Day at the Coliseum, and La Rev, all in Las Vegas. And he's been overseas, you know, ever since over in Dubai. He's got shows in Macau. And he's decided on this project to reintroduce himself to the strip. And both of these guys are highly motivated. They're headstrong. They're, they're very invested yeah. in this. And they're both former Cirque, you know, a former Cirque mm-hmm. affiliation. So they're, now they're going to be uh, competing on the strip, uh, artistically at least, with, uh, with Cirque du Soleil. Some of the stuff that uh, Dragon created is going to be you know, <laughs> in the same ticket buying platform as, as this show. But, uh, yeah, we were just talking about that. And uh, it's going to have a whole bunch of side acts and uh, magicians and acrobats and fire and a water escape. And, you know, some of the stuff that uh, both of these guys have become known for uh, is opening this weekend. So that's why you know, that's what I'm doing here. And I'll see it Saturday night to give a full rundown of it. But I'm looking forward to it. It's been uh, about uh, at least six months in, in mm-hmm. really hard rehearsals and, pre- and pre-production. So it's it's uh, it's aggressive and it's a. Uh, it's a it's a big risk, but they're hoping for a big reward too. Last one on sports related: the announcement of F one last night, massive globally. We have till November of twenty twenty three. You know a lot of the players behind the scenes. How you get the strip corridor all involved? 
the amount of work that went in behind this, and you chronicled Mark Davis and Allegiant Stadium and how that came together, this is pretty big. It's not at a Super Bowl level, but it could be the new Super Bowl for F1 going forward if it's a big success. Yeah, it'll have a really interesting uh, and uh, uh, wealthy, I'll <laughs> say, uh, uh, international community following this race. You know, JT, this has been talked about since the late 90s in Las mm-hmm. Vegas intermittently to get a, to get an F1 race here. You know, this is, uh, I remember interviewing Bernie Ecclestone um, just south of the parcel that became Mandalay Bay that was under construction in 1996, I think it was, about F1 out here. And that was just a dirt lot. And then the county commission ended up voting it down by one vote. And that became what is Valley High today. You know, they were going to have one one right. on the south side of the strip. You remember this, right? So this has been going on for quite a while. And our um, our elected officials and our uh, resort officials have been trying to figure out a way to get this, uh, you know, very popular international event into Las Vegas. And they, they, you know, look at that straightaway that comes along the strip. You know, uh, that's a long straight for an F1 race. And it's all on the strip. That is going to be an incredibly effective optic for Las Vegas and for the series when it gets here. So I think it, I'm already thinking that this is a, a home run. It's going to be a little bit of an imposition for a period of time for us here, but uh, I think the benefits will, uh, will greatly outweigh the inconvenience. It's going to be exciting. I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. Thanks, my friend. I'll see you over the weekend. Always reading you at the Review Journal. Appreciate the time today. Okay, I'll see you on the scene, JT. Thanks for having me. You got it. Johnny Katz, our entertainment reporter. We put him on because Vegas is entertainment. Sometimes it's sports. It's concerts. It's a thing that a lot of fans are interested in when they come to town. They want to go to see a few events. Uh, appreciate Johnny Katz for coming on and talking about that. The Grammys on Sunday's big. Sunday's my wife's birthday, and I'm excited about that. So I got a big uh, weekend lined up locally with my wife, who deserves it because her last two birthdays, one being a milestone, was uh, suspended due to COVID. So we haven't had a chance to celebrate the way I would like to. My sons are at college, so it won't be the same there, but uh, looking forward to a good weekend here. We have First Friday. We'll talk about that tomorrow with Ashley Watkins of Sam and Ash. If you want to go down to the Arts District downtown, First Friday tomorrow. Also, I'll be at La Comida tomorrow. After the show, uh, the great John O'Donnell and this team has Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul with their mezcal. Uh, doing an appearance at La Comida downtown tomorrow. Man, that's a big deal. Brian Cranston is about as good of an actor as there is on earth. Sorry, Smith, you just won Best Actor. I'll go with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. They'll be down there tomorrow. La Comida for that signing. I believe they'll be uh, there 1 to 2.30. Get down there early for lunch. Stay late. I'll be there for First Friday Happy Hour. Looking forward to that. And then next week, we announce our new partner, which is going to have me doing shows live in a casino more than once a month, which I'm also excited about as we come out of COVID and hopefully we stay out of COVID and we could take the show on the road and announcement what we'll be doing with the Raiders for the upcoming draft as the Raiders are going to kick butt up and down the strip with a couple of great opportunities for Raider fans to see alumni, current players that are going to be in town. April is a very important month here in Las Vegas because of the draft, and everybody's got to rise to that occasion. People are calling me, texting me, hey, where do I get rooms? used to be back in the day, you called JT in the 90s. I make a call, two, three calls, I get my guy, you get as many comps as there were back in the day. If you're looking for a comp during the NFL draft, good luck with that, unless you're dropping 100 grand at the tables. 
Las Vegas is going to be popping the entire month of April with all these concerts. And we're kicking it off with the Grammys on Sunday. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. One more round on Bruce Arians stepping down. If you're a Raider fan, do you smell something there? Or I'll say it this way. What doesn't add up right for you? What don't you like about that deal? What doesn't make sense about Bruce walking away? And do you think it has something to do with Tommy? The great Tommy Brady, as Charlie Weiss would say, friend of the show. JT, Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Grimaldi's. Say it with me. The best pizza I've ever had, Grimaldi's. Do you anticipate, do you know if anybody is going to talk with Byron or, or Todd? No, I don't know. I mean, none of the paperwork's been put in yet. You know, they have to go through through channels, and uh, I welcome it if it is. That was Bruce Arians about a month ago when he was asked about the coaching search and if it would affect the Buccaneers with Todd Bowles and Byron Lefwich. And the paperwork didn't come in. They, those guys didn't get a job. And Bruce Arian steps down as we wrap up the show. 702-365-9200 if you want to fight to get in quick. Right before the top of the hour, we'd appreciate that. And a big show tomorrow. Ashley will join us from Sam and Ash. Also, Mike Ciani, former Raider wide receiver. He came in in a big moment in Raider history. That story needs to be told. His draft story and what it meant for him to become a Raider, that will happen, I believe, tomorrow at 1230. Now, Bobby Wagner has signed a deal, and a pretty big one. The Rams gave Bobby Wagner, the great linebacker, from Seattle a five-year, $50 million contract that could be worth up to $65 million. Remember, Von Miller got over $100 million to go to Buffalo. No one thinks he's going to get all of that. It's usually just a signing bonus in the early years. Ian Rappaport confirming the deal and how big this is. Richard Sherman broke it first. Richard Sherman, the former corner, says the rich get richer. Lose Von Miller and gain future Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner. The Ravens made a last-minute push, but the reigning champs Rams were just too good to pass up. And we're starting to see that, too good to pass up. So Bobby Wagner's name has been removed from the top 101 NFL free agents that remain at NFL.com. So I have that up here on my computer in my office, and it's not moving because I think this could affect the Raiders going forward. So according to the list, which was put together by Greg Rosenthal, here are the top free agents still available today on Thursday. Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger. He's ranked sixth overall. He's now the number one free agent, according to NFL.com left. The second one is Odell Beckham Jr., who's 29, coming off knee surgery. I don't think he's a fit for the Raiders at all. Raiders got plenty. Plenty at wide receiver. I don't need Odell Beckham Jr. when Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro need to touch the ball, along with a couple other receivers. Then Stephon Gilmore. He's ranked 12th overall, and he's the third best left. And people think his price has been too high. And no one's been able to middle the price. Instead of lowballing him, giving him something closer to the price. You would think that the Raiders would have to be in consideration for Stephon Gilmore former Defensive Player of the Year who Dave Ziegler knows and Josh McDaniels knows. If not, he's going to wait till June. He's going to wait for an injury, and someone's going to get him. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams got him with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the Rams are going after everybody. 
Jadavion Clowney, most people believe that he'll resign in Cleveland. He's available. And then the name that's picking up a lot of buzz around the Raiders is Calais Campbell from Raider fans. It says here at NFL.com, there's no explanation for why Campbell is still effective at his age, but he is the biggest one-on-one dominant player inside of the Aaron Donald. He entered the league in 2008 and is worthy of one more one-year deal. Here's what I know about Calais Campbell. If you put him in the interior of the Raider defensive line on a deal that made sense because he'd have to get paid, then you'd have the best defensive line in football. wouldn't be close. So the Raiders with Khalil Mack and what we see with Bosa over with the Chargers and some of the other good defensive lines, the 49ers with Nick Bosa, the Raiders would have the best defensive line that they've ever had possibly in the last 30 or 40 years. And when you talk about the Super Bowl era, you go back to Matusak, Otis Sistrunk, then you go to the era of Howie Long, you go to the great defensive lineman, Greg Townsend, uh, should be a Hall of Famer, one of the most underrated Raiders of all time. How could you say that Chandler Jones, Hall of Famer, Calais Campbell, Hall of Famer, and Max Crosby, those three up front, I think it'd be over. Jim Lampley would say they're stopping the fight. They're stopping the fight. So if Calais Campbell is available at 36, and a guy who plays a lot, and you can find a way to sneak him in, how incredible would that be? What would that do? What would that become? I think it would be great. Uh, J.C. Treader, the center, is still out there. And what could happen with him? Uh, Some injuries to the knee and ankles. Will Fuller and Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher coming off tearing his Achilles. He had his worst season last year, but there's value there in the offseason. So I think the Raiders are going to get one of the names I mentioned. How about that? I just mentioned six names. The Raiders get one of the six I mentioned. It's going to be great. All right, everybody. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to our guest, TJ Reeves, our F1 insider. It was great. My first ever F1 interview with Chris Medlin and Johnny Katz, our entertainment reporter. Bobby Machado runs the show. Thanks to all of our partners, new partners lining up for the draft that we're excited about. Cues on deck into Vinny. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio.